Listener Request Month is back, and tonight we discuss David Lynch's Blue Velvet. Thank you, Bruce Wells, for the request. You no trouble. Me, fifth element. Supreme being. You will be a weapon. You will be a minister of death, praying for war. But until that day, you are cute. Sound off like you got a pair. Clown, they call the Sandman. Tiptoes to my room every night, just to sprinkle stardust and to whisper, Go to sleep, everything is all right. I close my eyes, then I drift away. And Welcome to the podcast. We're your hosts. I'm editor Brian Elkins. With me here tonight, director of photography, Mike Griggs. Hello. How you doing? Don't you fucking look at me. Oh, wait. Uh, it's okay. We're on a podcast. All right. right. Uh, you know calm, what? I calm. will look off and back and to the right. How about that? All right. Okay. Uh, it's good. I thought I was going to have to punch you in the face. We also have with us costume designer Kristen Jones. Hello. Hello. Hey, hey. And here we are talking David Lynch's Blue Velvet. Now, before we talk about this movie, we've never covered a David Lynch movie. Have you guys ever seen a David Lynch movie? And what do you think of David Lynch? Well, I, I personally love David Lynch. And um, I suppose Twin Peaks is my, my, was my first introduction to him. Mm. Oh, well, that's a TV show. What about movies? I know. I, yeah. I, <laughs> listen, I know you very specifically said movies, so I would not say that. However, <laughs> here we are. All right, okay, all right. Twin Peaks and Twin Peaks. I got you, I got you. <laughs> Griggs? Uh, you know, I, I thought about this earlier, and I thought that I should probably, like, see if I've actually ever experienced a David Lynch movie besides Dune, uh, and I don't think I have. And I have previously scrolled through his filmography, and everything on his 97 listings on IMDb, like I think, like, 80% of it is fucking shorts and music videos, so it's even hard to like parse through. But no, I don't think I've seen anything else besides Dune. Seen nothing else outside. Okay, all right. I can't, I can't, nothing comes to mind for sure. For me, plot wise, this is like the easiest one to follow, and all the ambiguity I feel like is, is interesting ambiguity. It doesn't get in the way of the plot of the movie, and that, I don't know, that helps me enjoy this a little bit more than the rest of his body of work. 
Yeah, I think one of the brilliant things that he does is, yes, you can follow the plot of this movie and you, you are able to figure out what happens, but everything around the plot of the movie is so ambiguous. Like even just like researching it, there's like five different theories. All of them have so much evidence based on it, but they're all conflicting with each other. Um, but they all could be true or none of them could be true. And it could be something that we haven't even thought of. And that's what I really love about David Lynch is that it's so much of it is clearly planned out, but he doesn't actually hand you anything. You have to come to your own conclusions. I don't know. I, I just think of like David Lynch and like, I, I guess I normally go to like Mulholland Drive, Eraserhead, Lost Highways, the ones that are so bizarre. I feel like I need a goddamn decoder ring to like, let me know what's going on. Like I can understand one <laughs> scene, but when the next scene comes on, I'm like, oh, totally lost. Uh, who are these characters? What are they doing here? <laughs> I don't understand what's happening. This one, like, I, I don't know. I, the, the moments that you can sit with and, I guess, chew the fat on are, are interesting, and they, they don't get in the way of anything. And I, I think this is, like, this may be his masterpiece. This may be his most, at least accessible movie, if not his best. <laughs> I like how accessible and best are, like, two different. <laughs> wow. Wow. Wow, guys, because I'm going into this like I am trying to decide if I think he's a pretentious asshole or if it's just not good or if just maybe the third option is it's just not for me. It's probably the third one. That's usually what it is. <laughs> it is. It is frequently and often, and I am very okay with that as as a, an approach to <laughs> a conversation for sure at least. Really, when, when this movie comes up, you don't want to like be like, yes, I really love when they beat the women on screen when they're on No, drugs. nothing like, about this movie not... was good. I didn't – I did not enjoy this movie <laughs> in the slightest. I didn't think it was – I thought it was it was pretentious in all the wrong moments and I thought it was super serious in some interesting ways that didn't go anywhere. And I'm just I, – I need someone to explain to me how this movie is so beloved because I don't understand. Well, I would say there's a lot of things <laughs> that would make it beloved. I, I am most impressed with uh, Lynch's shifting of tone, not only from scene to scene, which most filmmakers do. Okay, see, that's what, what fucking that bothered me, though. Like, how I impressed by how it. How, is, this how this is this shift in tone impressive? Because I felt like he was trying to make three different movies, and he didn't achieve any of them. No, okay, come on. There are no. some scenes that are like, okay, like uh, when Laura Dern's boyfriend, right, uh, yeah. pull, pulls over uh, Laura Dern and Colin McLaughlin, and... and yeah. Right. And they're like, oh, it's the other fucking guy. He's going to kill us. Let's go get the gun. Yeah. Right. Oh, it's just him. It's fine. And he's like, I'm going to fuck you up. But yeah. We're going to have a we're going to have a boyfriend brawl. And it's kind of funny. It's it's a little like, oh, this is this is such a stupid moment. It's such a teenager moment in this serious, dark film with actual like fucking criminals and rapists. And then it just goes really super dark the minute. You see uh, Isabel Rossellini in the background, and she's battered yeah, and broken. She walks up like a fucking zombie, like full on with her arms like completely out forward. And you're naked. like, holy shit, what the hell? No, that is completely naked. Such a great shift in tone, so effortlessly done that I almost had to rewind it and be like, did he do something here? Did he? Did he? Is there some kind of shot thrown in or something? And it, 
No, no. It shifts the tone before that. I mean, when it, it shifts several times there, like what, like when they first drive away and they think they're being chased by Frank, like that is like so like tense and serious. And then you realize it's Mike, and you're like, oh, it's just, it's just, oh, it's just, just Mike. the jealous boyfriend, oh, whatever. It's not it's a big <laughs> And then it, it and it kind of it becomes so much more lighthearted. And yes, it is kind of stupid. And if this was a teen movie from the '80s, that would be like a, the big pivotal moment. Yeah, but it's okay, not. Yeah. You know, yeah. like All that's right. I see that. Okay. Yeah, and, but but it's not, and like it almost makes you kind of laugh at yourself, and you're like, yeah, like these things that we think are so important <laughs> are kind of stupid in the bigger scheme of things. Um, mm. Which you, which you again see when as soon as she walks up, and and I even love like there's like that one line, and he's like, oh, is that your mom? And because they don't quite realize what's <laughs> yeah. going on. Yeah. And then when they do, they're like, oh, okay, never mind, bye. Yeah, they, they totally <laughs> flip. He's all like, I'm so sorry, guys. I'm so sorry. And they, even his friend, like, they throw out that line. He's like, I thought you were going to fuck him up. And he's like, I'm so sorry. Like, just whatever this is, figure your shit out. <laughs> whatever this is, I'm too wholesome yeah. to be here. Yeah. I'm going to go. I thought I was, like, a tough guy. But actually, <laughs> never Clearly, mind. you've got way more going on than I realized before. There's a naked woman who's been fucking beaten to death. Like you have shit going on, and it's amazing too how Laura Dern just kind of shifts. Like she's like she's scared, and then she's relieved, and then she's you know concerned, and then she's horrified when she realizes that he's also sleeping with her. Like Mm -hmm. just just the way that she transitions from moment to moment, all within kind of the same scene. Uh, you know, the the bigger picture here is just so brilliant. And I know she has gotten some flack in when um she, the the affair is revealed, because uh, her 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 acting is so over the top and her face is so contorted. It is but, like, a little over the, the top. amount of yeah. pain that she's in, like and the fact that she is so vulnerable in that moment she has had such a wholesome happy life that she can she feels safe enough to be that vulnerable is kind of a beautiful thing isabella rossellini Mm. could never do that because she has been battered and abused and she is used to hiding and stuffing her emotions away because that'll just get her beaten again but laura dern has had just like such a happy wholesome life that it is okay for her to express that pain and i kind of love it actually it's so over the top but it's so innocent and naive and i love it i love laura dern's performance there i can't com- believe anybody would complain about that that just blows my I fucking either. mind i i think i think it's brilliant yeah a lot of people um felt that it was too over the top but i, I don't it's like anger that, hurt and disgust like all wrapped into one and yeah. it, she doesn't know who to like she keeps looking at him and keeps uh looking at her and she's just like i don't know what to do here like obviously this guy that i told i loved like two seconds ago is taking advantage of this abused woman just just to get rid of <laughs> just i don't know to have some sex with her it's just yeah, such a well, sticky, and that's the thing too. Situation. Is she's like, it, yes, she's she's trying to comprehend the the fact that she this guy that she yes she just broke up with her boyfriend to be with him. <laughs> she just told him that she loved him, and w- what is this like naked, beaten woman doing here? Like, surely she there's a mistake. Like, she's just trying to to grasp what's happening because she hasn't been seeing it the way um, Jeffrey has. She. I mean, he's kind of conveying it to her, like, over the phone and at a diner. But, like, to actually see it right there, I mean, I and to have, like, no prior knowledge of this whole world, you know? Like, she's so completely innocent in all of this. 
And then to I mean, have it kind of, but also she was door, there for most of it, though. Like she was, she was there. I mean, I won't say she was complicit with this, but she was definitely like, "That's a, that's a great like imaginary fantasy." But as soon as we leave this diner, it's not happening. And then she was at the building with him, and she tried to walk up those stairs. She's met this woman before, like she saw her perform. So it's not like her first meeting. Okay, hold on. That's no, no, no. There's a very big difference between sitting outside of this woman's apartment building and watching her perform and then like Jeffrey in the closet watching her get beaten and oh, raped. Okay, that's, that's Those true. are two very different things. She's that's, not that's been exposed to this world. Not at all. Yeah, I don't think she really knows exactly what. I don't, nothing's real for her until that scene and then it's like affecting her life and that's why that's why I think that scene's so good I can't believe anybody would complain about Laura Dern's it's acting amazing. yeah that's crazy <laughs> blows my fucking mind get the fuck out of my face oh my god she's so good <laughs> okay also but Laura Dern in this whole movie is outstanding I absolutely she is outstanding her. in this movie she's only like what fucking 18 when they made this it's like, yeah she's 19 oh my god it's so young or at least when I came out she was 19 holy crap that good out of the gate yeah she was incredible. And even her hair looks so ridiculous in some scenes, but I loved it. I'm here for it. When they like pulled her little bangs up, like she has like, and they curled all of them. She's like a little poodle. I was like, girl, somehow you pull this off. I don't even know. Like I would never, I would never recommend this, yeah. but you, somehow you pull. <laughs> I, I have not seen her this young and I have not seen her this sweet and endearing and just, just cute. She's so like, you just want to like, cuddle her because she's so cute and young and like innocent i love yes. her introduction shot too where she's just coming out of of the darkness and she's being slowly lit as she walks forward and that big music swells and it's just like oh man it's the first time in the, uh, when i was watch rewatching the movie that i that i thought like wait this feels old hollywood wait when does this take place what year is this supposed yeah. to be is this <laughs> the 50s or is this too. the 80s i had to look at it did you did you find an answer <laughs> yeah. on that uh, so technically, it's yeah, it's set in 1986, but I oh, it definitely okay. had like a huge. Uh, okay. Well, that's what it was. Okay. I don't. I, I mean, that's when it was, when it was released. I saw one like 50s looking car, and I was like, "Is this supposed to be earlier? Maybe that's just an old car that's still driving around." But also, there was like a lot of 80s kind of styles happening. So David Lynch, uh, from what I have seen at least, um, likes two mixed genres, and so yeah, I could see that. Yeah, I'm assuming that's what happened here, and he did have a lot of old world, um, especially old Hollywood style stuff in this, which I loved. I think it works so well. It adds to the whole innocence of it too. It does. It does. But also, like 20 or 30 years old stuff is not outside of the purview of like no this is just people driving their normal things that's like currently seeing a fucking like LeBaron driving down the street like you're like oh look at that cute little 90s car but it's 2020 like who cares I don't know it, it's yeah, also the way that people talk to and some of the know. clothes and some of the hairstyles were a little um, vintage which is mm -hmm. Perfectly yeah, acceptable, sure. but yeah, he likes to mix genres, and it it works. I think. I mean, especially um, you had Isabella Rossellini's uh, apartment was like very like seventies Art Deco. Oh God, I love her fucking goddamn apartment with that Isn't fucking that record player with that creepy ass little fucking couch over there. It's just like prim and per perfect. It looks like it's covered in plastic almost. <laughs> Who knows all the rape that's happened on that couch? Oh God. That place was just a shithole. That's all I saw. I was like, how would anyone no. live in this building? Oh, my God. The, st okay, the stairwell I see way is worse scary. Building. 
<laughs> no, it's just the way it's shot. Like that stairwell is scary. Like I keep, I the stairwell is scary. Like, when they're yeah. when they're walking up and down the stairs, I keep like, uh, is somebody gonna go over the railing? Is you know, they're gonna fall? They're gonna trip? They're gonna they're gonna fall off? What's gonna happen? This looks looks so dangerous. <laughs> but also, they were like, she lives on the seventh floor, and there definitely was an implication of more floors above it. But like, they show a wide shot of the building, and it's six floors max. Like I, I was like, why are they saying seventh floor? Like just show a building that has more floors than seven. Like come on. Yeah. How's that hard? I was looking at that too because I definitely was like, "There's like three, maybe four floors." I didn't yeah. think Just it was say very she's large. She's on the fourth floor. Why do you? Why does it have to be the seventh floor? Come on. She's so high up. She's in a tower. She can't be touched. That's why she's escorted everywhere. Oh my god! But so I, fucking pretentious. Come on. No, I love it. It's great. But like, it would have been better to have like an actual tower, like apartment tower. <laughs> yeah, like oh, you that would have get- been cool. Like, it doesn't have to be in the same, like, small town area. Like, this could be one of the, the high rises of the small town. Maybe. I don't know. That was weird. Well, it was on Lincoln Street. That's where all the riffraff hangs out, according to Grandma. Okay. Did you guys so. see the theory that this is, like, a reinterpretation of the Lincoln assassination? Because Frank's last name is Booth. Is Booth. Um, the dude was before. shot at the end. Yeah. I was like. What? So uh, the dude at Lincoln the end in scenario? was shot like in the back of the head, the same way Lincoln was shot. Oh my god! I feel there's like there's more, just there are but... some movies that are like so ambiguous and vague that people are just bending the fuck over backwards to try and project their own shit onto and be like, maybe it means this, maybe it means this. I guarantee you, he was not thinking about those seventeen different fucking scenarios when he was writing this movie. He had like one or two things. And he was just like, let's leave it ambiguous and let everybody interpret their own things onto it. Well, I think most of it, plot-wise, is is it is pretty easy to follow. A lot of it's like just glances and like characters' reaction shots. Like you don't really know what they think. You know, I mean, even like the candle symbolism is pretty. It's pretty easy to digest, you know, because like Frank when he goes in there and uh, has that really yeah, weird rape blows scene, blows it out, and now it's dark. Yeah, he keeps saying that every time he leaves. He's like, yeah, now it's dark. That's what we're gonna do. I mean, I I understand it. It, it fits. It's not like uh, it's not like Mulholland Driver Lost hi- Highways, where I'm like, oh, look at these little tiny people coming out of Naomi Watts's ear. What the fuck is that? Who are they? Where do they come from? <laughs> what? I am so lost. Silencio porpavor, indeed. <laughs> I just, yeah, I just don't know. I don't know about that stuff, but I find this one like this is so much easier to digest. Like everything's answered. Okay, but all right, you're referencing Mulholland Drive, and I haven't seen that one specifically because David Lynch himself has talked about how like he tried to make it one thing. He didn't. He tried to make it like the the um the pilot episode to a TV show, and then a, the TV show got canceled. So he's like, I think I can probably make it into a movie. And so he recut the whole thing. So like he changed his intention after the fact in order to make it into something. So in the process of that creativity, there has to be something lost and something gained. And so like the idea that you could have like a, a clear intention from writing to like the production through the actual, I mean, you make three movies, blah, blah, blah. That movie, what I'm saying is that movie is is kind of as a whole intended to be ambiguous. This does not feel like it was intended to be ambiguous or even like a rescued project where he was like, I can still make something of this. And yet, how are these people still trying to project all these different fucking like theories onto this movie? Well, when it's pretty obvious what it's trying to be. It no, is, but there's things that are left out. It is, but it's out. not. There's a lot. No, the original movie, I think, was like four hours long, so he cut it <laughs> down. The first cut? What? I mean... 
Lots of first cuts are four hours long. What no, does that mean? He cut out a lot of characters. He cut out a lot of subplots. He cut out a lot, actually. There's like almost an hour of deleted scenes on the Blu-ray. Why? This movie was already too long as it was. Good no, God. What? Was I, I thought this was a nice runtime, man. This I thought fucking, it was kind of perfect, right? actually. Yeah. I, I did not get bored with this film once. I I, I <laughs> thought you would... I kind of thought every we would all be like, oh yeah, this one moved really fast. Mm. <laughs> it did, I thought it moved. Uh, it very felt fast. so fucking pretentious. I'm sorry. I'm, yeah. Oh man, do not watch any of his other movies. <laughs> oh, point fucking taken. Thank you, Brian. I think this is the Heard. least pretentious of all of them. <laughs> oh my god. Cool. Cool. Thank you. Actually, that saves me a lot of time in the future. You can send your hate mail to uh, no, but actually, <laughs> that's actually a kind of an interesting point because when this came out in the eighties, um, a lot of people did not understand it and did not like it and kind of had the same complaints. And it took a while for everyone to be like, "Oh my god, my bad! This is actually a brilliant movie." <laughs> and now it's on all kinds of you know br- most you know, brilliant movies, best, you know, whatever, best villain, they have the best villain, the best soundtrack. They have, like This is now like one of his most acclaimed movies. But when it first came out, I mean, even, um, even the critics were like, uh, yeah, actually, I just didn't quite understand what he was doing. Um, a lot of oh, people. Roger Ebert fucking hated it. I tried to read it yeah, before Roger I watched Ebert it just to get it. some context. Cause he still hates like... it. He's not one of the ones who retracted it. <laughs> he still hates it. I was like, cool. Let me see what my guy said about it. Cause usually at least, even if I don't agree with his opinion, I can understand where he's coming from and know if I'm going to like it. And he fucking was just like, this movie's total shit. And I was like, oh no. But see, a lot of Ugh. people, from what I understand, didn't like it because of all of the sexual violence. And that's why it took so long to make and he had to rewrite it a lot. Right, Brian? Oh, yeah, Roger Ebert right. was like, why are you standing between me and the material? Like, if you're going to make a movie with this much sexual violence and then have the rest of the movie not feel serious... Why are you making two different movies? Like, if you're going to have this level of seriousness, then give us a movie that deserves okay. this level of serious well, I, performance. I think he's missing the very the, the very opening. Like, yes. the, the opening yes. montage sets into place everything that the film is going to be about. I would say the opening credits and the montage following it are some of the best, some of the best opens in film history. That's the scene. And like everything that people are complaining about, like they, they just like a hundred percent missed the very beginning that sets it up. I mean, you just look at that idyllic setting. Like it's like literally white picket fences and fucking roses, you know, yellow tulips. Quintessential. Look at these fucking flowers. We are in, the prime of fucking American suburb idealism. It is so good. And the guy's getting ready to have a heart attack and we're seeing his, we're literally seeing what's happening to his fucking blood vessels as they're, you know, via the yeah. hose. We're watching the hose tighten. That's what's happening the, the to his The pressure is heart. building underneath oh. all of these people. And then you go beneath the surface of the fucking suburbs and it's just fucking bugs trying to eat everything. They're all hungry. There's, there's, yeah, no, we fucking get it. Oh my god! Well, that's I what don't the think whole you do. Throw that much because, shit in listen, our face. Like, it's not too. <laughs> di- no, listen, listen. I don't think. I don't think the point is really made if this many people don't understand that, the, and they think that this is two different how? movies. How do you because, not understand from that opening? Because, I don't understand how Roger you, yeah, you miss that there are two different movies. That's exactly what I'm saying. Because Ooh, if you sit there and wow. you look at it and you're like. And you're like, wow, here's a happy, you know, go lucky teenage movie. And here's this movie about all of the sexual violence and crime and police corruption. And you don't understand that they are existing in the same 
world. Like that's the problem. Like there just happens to be a curious kid who is also naive enough and cute and white enough to go investigate and not get in trouble. (laughs) No, but that's what I'm saying. Like these worlds are right next to each other. You can't sit here and say, oh, we need to make a serious, give give Isabella Rossellini like a serious screen time. No, let's liven it up because you know who's right down the street from her is all these fucking kids who don't even understand that this exists. And when they do see it, what do they do? They just go, oh, never mind. Bye. Like, like. (laughs) Oh, sorry. Sorry. Let me go home. Yeah, my bad. My bad. (laughs) I shouldn't be here. Wait, are you going to have sex with me? Because I can stay then. But if you're not, uh, I need to go. No, like that's the thing is these worlds, this isn't two different movies. The the way he he is able to switch back and forth between the tones like so brilliantly. He's able, like uh, Kyle MacLachlan has this really wonderful, like youthful naivete. He's so curious and that's how he can go from both go back and forth between both worlds like it would not mm. work with Laura Dern doing that it's Kyle who's wow. able to sit there and go back and mm. forth between both of the worlds he is curious about everything and he has just like a general you know uh, just like a kind of a I don't want to even say like a blank face he's acting he's like a, a Tom Cruise if he could act you know what I'm saying like like Damn, he could sit fired. there no come on have you seen Tom Cruise that's a different conversation. <laughs> I disagree with your premise, but continue with your concept. <laughs> no, he has, I want to say he has like kind of almost like a blank face, but it's not blank. Like Tom Cruise's face is blank. Like he's alive in there and he's, you know, curious about, yeah, he does have a really good chin too. It's the hair as well. <laughs> yeah, but he does. Yeah, he has nice hair. He has nice hair. Um, so he's able to sit here and do that. He is the reason that these two worlds can blend seamlessly in this movie. Mm, like mm, the people mm. who are sitting here and saying, well, what's happening? I don't understand this. And why is there violence in my sex? Like all of these people are missing mm. the point. They're completely missing the point. And if they don't get it or they don't want to get it, I think that's really probably it is they don't want to get it. And that's that's fine. Don't watch it. You know, I get it. It's not for you. But that doesn't mean this is a bad movie. It doesn't mean that David Lynch is a bad director. This is brilliant. All of it's brilliant. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Those are a lot of really, really good points. Yeah. Uh, You've been listening to the Movie Crew Podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Moving on to ratings. Uh, No, I, I I totally agree, Chris. I think I think there's this all there's all these scenes where he's just like David Lynch is constantly mixing all these emotions and uh, just like even even that rape scene. We we see that terrible rape scene, and then like right afterwards, she wants to be held by Kyle MacLachlan, and then she like sp- exposes her breast. She's like, "Touch my nipple," and she starts talking all slow and sexy to him, and it's just like, "Holy crap, this is this is kind of hot." What, what's happening right no. here? And then she's it's like, not nope. nope, none of it was <laughs> no, hot. It's, it's not I'm hot. Just gonna, I'm going to establish right now, none of it was hot. It wanted to be. It, no, it really, no, it, like, no, it felt, no, it, no, it felt no, it no, trying no. to be like, like this is you're going to. He wants you to like, be no. uncomfortable. He yeah. wants you to be uncomfortable. I wasn't talking All of about this is uncomfortable. me specifically <laughs> said it was hot, and I'm not saying the audience is hot. I'm saying it's hot for Kyle MacLachlan's character, right? He's like, "Ooh, this is kind of sexy," it, but he didn't get turned off until she says, "Hit me." But even and then, then and I think that's what's so him. brilliant is that she says the first time she says, "I want you to hit me," he's like, "Whoa, what the fuck?" And then he like dreams about it, and then he like it, until he like he keeps thinking about it until he finally does. I, he does hit her, at, at, you know, later. Uh, and it, I think that's so interesting also because 
he like in order for him to switch over into this world, he has to like bring out this monster side of him. And it's not that she's like, oh, I want you to, you know, hit me and, and like treat me badly. Like and she's using this as for that. She's doing this for different reasons, but he has to tap into the, the part of himself. I don't think he's doing this like purely innocently. No, like, no, no, no. Like, I don't BDSM in that world. Like that can be like a consensual kind of thing. And I don't really know. I don't think this guy's doing anything. He's not a good guy in any way, shape or form. Uh, Cause he's taking advantage of her too. Like right after yeah, that scene's yeah. over, he gets disgusted and he wants to leave and they actually switch yeah. positions. And she's saying, help me and yeah. he yeah. literally just leaves her as she's standing yeah. by herself alone in the bathroom all the way down that long hall he is never once a good character he just needs to be he needs to be taught and shown this stuff to see if he even likes it yeah, or, I, th- I guess that's what he's wanting out of this He's wanting that. What is what is his line? Uh, new experience. Um, yeah, but like you can't do that with someone who's like a slave. She's like very specifically like a sex slave. You can't go up to a sex slave who who whose house you break into to be like, oh, well, maybe I do want with this. Actually, <laughs> can no. you teach me? Like that. <laughs> <laughs> Laura Dern asks him before he even goes into the building. She's like, "Are you a detective or just a pervert?" And he says this really weird fucking line. He's like. You're just gonna have to find out, or some that's shit for like me that. to know and for you to find out. That's what it is. Because yeah. I know what I, I think. I it's am. for him to find out. I don't think he knows. Yeah, he I, I think that, exactly. He he is trying to figure it out in that moment. He's like, I feel both, and I'm really not sure which one it is. So I'm gonna go up there. and I'm gonna fucking find out. There is a deleted scene that really. I'm glad they cut it out. It, it kind of fucks the movie up. But the movie actually opens. The deleted scene would open with Kyle McLaughlin, and he's watching two people i guess like in the basement of a high school party or a college party that's going on upstairs in a gymnasium and it's turning into a date rape scenario Mm. and he stops it only when like his buddies are like looking for him and calling for him like hey what's going on where's the dude and then he's like hey man you you need to stop that so it kind of sets up this pattern of him being a voyeur Mm. from the get-go and I'm, i'm glad that's gone i really liked not necessarily his voyeuristic tendencies, but how David Lynch made us the voyeur also. And he's like, I know you don't want to watch this, but you're not going to turn away kind of thing. Um, and he, I know he also cut out Isabella Rossellini was, I think, uh, when, when she's hit, he cuts because people didn't like that to see kyle flinching jeffrey flinching in the closet and oh you're talking about dennis hopper hits her in the face yeah yeah oh yeah and i loved i loved all of that just because like yeah why do we watch violent movies and why why are we sitting here doing this because no one's turning away like it's so unsettling but we're all like oh but what happens next and I think that we're kind of jumping ahead. I'm just, I, sorry, I got to jump but, in there. That was the moment where I was like, why the fuck am I being forced to watch this goddamn movie? Can't but, we just watch something that's fucking happy for once? Fucking February and your listener request months. God damn it. Happy movies are boring, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to feel good about something. Happy movies don't do well on this podcast. We just <laughs> like true. all sit That's around true. and we're like, oh, it's so good. I said at the end of this, I was texting. I was like, I mean, this is probably going to be a really great conversation, but at what cost? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, continue. But I was going to say, like, it kind of forces us to watch all these really awful things. And then I think it's really interesting because we all, we want, 
like this nasty gritty ending and he gives us like a happy storybook ending um where everyone is forgiven and life is oh my good. god sorry let's talk about that fucking ending i loved I was, it <laughs> i was so goddamn pissed at the end of this movie because you like, want what you- i was I was shouting at the TV at the end of this movie, like because you first want of all, violence and you want no, okay. no. Oh, okay. What because do you of want? because okay. of the fucking terrible decisions that these two teenagers are making. Because like first of all, they're like, "I love you, I love you," and I'm like, "No, you fucking don't." What the hell are you talking about? You don't even know her. How are you saying you love her? And then she's like, "I love you," and I'm like, "Bitch, please, this is some trauma bonding shit, and you haven't even gone through anything. What the hell?" And then they go through all the things, and they're like, "I love you again." And at the fucking end of the movie, they're kissing in the goddamn hallway while there's like cops and paramedics and shit going behind them. And I was like, "What the hell is this bullshit? How do these two characters earn a like meet cute kind of situation that?" deserves a fucking ending where they're like oh look at this romantic they got together isn't it wonderful and i was like what the fuck okay where did this even come it's from not about what they deserve it's about who it's they not about are what they deserve. everybody's yes. like this yes. that's what the whole movie's about everybody has I, this dark capability inside of them i loved it and actually mike i don't know if you saw this but it actually made um some like like evangelical protestant christian magazine like top like movie of the year because of this because of the what? ending yeah. <laughs> what? Because none what? of them deserve no, this. this none of shit. them what? deserve oh my this. God. They are forgiven, though. Stop. They are forgiven and can move on. Yes. Fuck all the way off. No, why do you want to see them punished? Why do you want to see them? I don't want to see them no, punished. No, no. I want to see them responding in a, in a in a realistic way that says, I have gone through some shit. I have seen you being a person who is not safe or healthy or worth being around because of the decisions that I have just witnessed you making over the last, you know, weeks of this movie. I wanted to see Laura Darn be like, no, dude. Like, I'm you're you go do whatever the fuck it is you want to do. I'm gonna go this way. That's what I wanted to see at the yeah, end of this. That's kind of like a punishment though. I mean, look, you can say all this stuff and we can judge this guy and we can kink shame him and everything, but the the real situation, the real deal is is he is the hero of the movie and nobody It's not a kink shame. It, to, uh, all right, all right. Like, like, we can talk about that because it's not a king shame. It's a we were getting together and then you decided to sleep with another woman. And then that shit came into what our attempt at a relationship was. Like you literally told me I love you. And then like 20 minutes later, this naked woman is throwing herself onto you and clearly you have a thing with her. And that's still happening. Wait, hold so up. They had whatever you thought was going to be. He had sex with her years. and then he says I, I love you to Laura Dern, right? I kind and of then, feel like, yes, and then Laura Dern shows up. Yeah. I kind of feel like he was not, this is a, a fault of his. I am not def- really defending him, but just sort of clarifying a point here. I feel like he was always interested in Laura Dern in a romantic sense, and he was interested in having sex with Isabella Rossellini, not a romantic relationship. Yeah. And she true. latches onto him, Isabella Rossellini latches onto him because he's the safest person in her life. Accurate. Yeah. And she's yeah, he's the only one that can actually like maybe help her. He's he's the only one wanting to help her, you know, and that's I, maybe that's why she's throwing herself at him. Like, you know, this is how I can save myself by giving people my body. Yeah, that's, exactly. That's what I'm doing with Frank. I'm that's- saving my kid's life by fucking this crazy dude and not yeah, committing suicide. A- really have a choice. <laughs> right, exactly. The only thing she has a choice is to stay alive. <laughs> 
I do love that line. Like, you got to stay alive for Van Gogh or <laughs> whatever that fucking line Dennis Hopper says. That cracked yeah, me the fuck up. he says Van Gogh. <laughs> like, what? It took me a while to get it, too. This I was like, a... oh, that's right, the ear. Oh, yeah, I forgot the about ear. that. Yeah. <laughs> well, after 45 minutes, funny. you forget about the fucking ear, man. Like, it's like such a, like, a nothing thing. It, it's it's funny I mean, that that's what starts. they have that giant, long-ass zoom fade into the next scene into the ear. Like, I don't know how you forget about that. Oh, totally. I mean, I totally forget about it. Oh, man, no. That <laughs> ear at the beginning with, like, the hair on it and, like, it's moldy yes. and everything. It's a different ear because he definitely did not pick up anything with that amount of hair. I was like, what the hell? Where did this hair come I love from? how he just, like, picked it up out of the field and put it in a bag. And yeah. he was like, I'll just walk it over to the police station. Man, I was <laughs> shouting at the TV, don't fucking touch it! And then, and then he gets to the police station and the guy's like, well, let me, I'll check that out. I'll, I'll, oh, yeah, okay, yeah, that is an ear, okay. Nothing's come in recently <laughs> without an ear, so it's probably, it could be from someone who's still alive. I thought that was so funny. Okay. That whole thing was so funny. That was funny. The coroner was fucking hilarious, too. <laughs> the kid's like... So how does an ear get off of a person? How did it get there? <laughs> this one looks like it was scissors sips to Oh, see, that was a great, that was a fucking awesome edit. That was fucking hilarious. I 100% Cut to the police line. When Kyle was walking through the field, I, and Jeffrey was walking through the field, I, I'm so used to seeing Kyle uh, McLaughlin play, like, <laughs> play certain characters. Um, and also I'm used to him being like, 40 or 50 and so when they said he was in school i was like what wait (laughs) how does he have a job and he's like i was so confused (laughs) because my brain just automatically was like oh he's like the police in this (laughs) he is often the police and also he was 27 or 26 when they shot this and was supposed to be like home from school for like a his fucking his dad freshman year yeah uh, but uh, yeah, he does look very young. I just didn't pay attention to his youth because I just assumed that he was an old cop in this <laughs> middle-aged cop, I should say. Oh my goodness! Well, guys, it is about that time. We're gonna take a break. We're gonna be right back. We're gonna play the trailer for David Lynch's Blue Velvet. From the mind of David Lynch comes a modern-day masterpiece. So startling, so provocative so mysterious that it will open your eyes to a world you have never seen before. She wore blue velvet But in my heart there'll always be Precious and warm a memory Through the neighbor here I come you got about one second to live buddy through my tears alright we're back that was the trailer for David Lynch's David Lynch's uh, Blue Velvet that was not the trailer. That was just music for like a minute and a half. Oh, come on, man. You got some great There's Dennis some Hopper stuff in there. Scenes. I actually. Yeah, it was a really terrible radio trailer. That's what I'm saying. That's... The listener's not going to appreciate that trailer. There you go. Continued, Kristen. Sorry. 
<laughs> oh, no, 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 you're good. I agree with that. Um, I was going to say, I kind of didn't like how they edited it to make it look like kind of sexy. They took like some nice sexy moments and put them mm. together to make it look sort of scintillating. Yeah, maybe. But voyeuristically it's, scintillating. Yeah, and yeah. it's not. No, <laughs> if I saw that no. trailer and then saw this movie, I'd be pissed. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, it makes sense. You know, at the time, you know, like we've talked about Body Heat. That was, what was that? That was 80, 81? 1980, so it was somewhere around there, right? Uh, 82, it was early yeah. 80s. So I mean, I could see some some marketing people being like, "Let's put this in that same category." Yeah, I think maybe that was why it got so much backlash, is because I think mm. people, for some, maybe before they saw it, did put it into like erotic thriller categories. Yeah, I could see that. Yeah, that's interesting. yeah, that's the only thing that makes sense to me because when I watched this, I didn't get the gratification of sexual violence at all. Like even the were people scenes- saying that this movie was gratifyingly sexual mm-hmm. violence, whatever was that? Was that was that levied against this film? I guess is what I'm asking. Yeah, the 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 sexual violence was a big thing. Yes, and I think it kind of works in the movie. Um, and I think if you just heard about it, like let's let, we're gonna go watch a movie that has. It's this violently sexual, you know, mm. I, I can see how oh, I don't want to see that. Yeah, I could right, definitely, right, yeah. right, right, right. Yeah, That's yeah, the yeah, only yeah. thing that kind of makes sense. Like when I heard all the people like when I when I read a bunch of stuff that was like opposed to it anyway. But like even the only stuff that's like kind of sexy and I use that very loosely here <laughs> is when, um, you know, Isabella Rossellini comes on to Jeffrey and she's like, touch me. And she like takes off his pants and she's like, do you like this? Do you like that? Like, and he's, I know we kind of talked about this before, but he's like so frozen in some of those moments. And he's like, wait, is this supposed to be, I'm kind of turned on right now, you know, but it's not a sexy scene. Like that's, don't do it. No, like, it, it has like weird <laughs> attempts to be sexy, but he's definitely like, I, I don't know how to feel about this moment. Like, yeah, which yeah, I think is exciting, but well, she's doing that because that's again the only thing she knows how to do at this yeah. point. That doesn't mean you should take her up on it. Well, it's it's also a little dangerous too because she, she stabs him in the face with a knife and he's got that right. little cut on his face and then. The way that she kneels down and the way they put the camera angle with his fucking legs and then you can see her face and then the knife is over on the other side. It's just like, are you going to cut his dick off? And I really be, like oh. it. Could, that could totally happen in this movie. No, just- <laughs> I thought it was so great. Like when when she first tells him to take his clothes off, I was like, oh, my God, that's kind of smart. <laughs> You have an intruder, like, <laughs> and you're gonna like sit there and try and figure out who he is, like that. That you know, I kind of got that, and then she like, you know, th- then I like very quickly was like, no, 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 this is smart. Never mind. Stop, stop what you're doing. Um, As a first viewer, like, I was trying to figure out, like, is this just her sort of taking back control of her own life? Like, I she's so. clearly like struggling well, with all these things, and she's now she has the the chance to be the predator, and so she's turning it on him. But then there's like also this slightly ambiguous level of like maybe she actually kind of likes some of these things and she's legitimately excited about it and he's a moderately attractive dude. You've had other people saying like he's cute and she's like come closer, come closer, come closer. And he's like oh. I think for the first time, at least in a long time, she has power over somebody. Mm, Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I think that's what it is. 
I think that's I think she's excited by the fact that he'll listen to her and he's not until later he's not going to hurt her but in that moment because she thought he was there to you know to hurt her and then she's like wait I have the upper hand here and that is kind of attractive and that is a power rush especially if you're not used to it if you're Mm -hmm. used to you know the life that she's you know she's a slave basically um yeah I can see how that would be attractive and but it's so interesting too the second She's like, well, I don't know what to do with this. And so she goes right back into what she's comfortable with, which is hit me. Do you like this? What do you what what can I do for you? Like she mm. very quickly gives him the power back. Yeah, I, I don't know. It's, it's she, clearly she's a victim and she's yeah. taking her abuse and putting it on somebody else. to, So she can have a little bit of power, but. I don't know. I I just I always get like I don't I don't think she knows what she wants ever. Like just just those close ups of her fucking smile after she gets popped. Like I when we were talking about sexy things, I think that's the sexiest thing in the movie. That close up oh. where her mouth is on the top of the screen oh, and her eyes are on the yeah. bottom of the frame. Yeah, yeah. And oh it, you no way. You just see yeah, her mouth was... and she just smiles. It's like the perfect smile. Like with her mm. fucking flawless goddamn teeth in her mouth, and it's just like, oh, that is why is that hot? Oh, fuck. Okay. This is so dark. Oh, maybe I'm fucked up. Oh, no. Fuck you, Lynch. What did you do to me? Ah! <laughs> <laughs> All right. Speaking of her flawless, flawless goddamn teeth, did he punch her teeth and then chip a tooth? Like, did, did she start the movie with flawless teeth and then after he hits her? She has that little chip in the middle of her her front two front teeth. Oh, you know, I don't know because I, 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 I thought about like about rewinding too, it to see if it was there because there was there's definitely a chip in her in her tooth yeah. after he hits her. I think it's like definitely when he comes back the second time implied because he hits her and then it shows her teeth with the chipped tooth and that it's I I didn't go back looking for it. I did have that same question. I didn't go back looking for it very specifically, uh, but you never noticed the chip in her tooth until yeah, I did, that. Definitely didn't notice it until then. Yeah, I did. I did not even notice. Did not pay attention. Watched right over me. He was he was looking at other things on the screen, <sighs> like that There's lipstick on her at, lips. God. Hey, I oh. actually really liked her lips. God, it was so perfect. <laughs> when they cut to no, that close that, up, man, it was just so like, good. let's do this pristine makeup. Her lipstick was perfect. Yes, it really was. was. Like, wow, they were like, whatever's happened before this moment, we're going to do fresh makeup for this shot. Fuck no, it. but it was like, I, I don't even know what it was. Like, it wasn't just fresh makeup, but it was kind of like her, her lips were like kind of dewy. Like, yes. it looked so good. It looked beautiful. Yeah, it fresh, did look really good. The ready to be kissed lips. Yes. Or something else because she was definitely offering um, other things. I, 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 I do kind of hate Dennis Hopper fucking later in the movie fucking ruins the lipstick for me by like smearing it all over himself and <laughs> fucking kissing Kyle MacLachlan. I'm like, oh, that's so fucking creepy, man. What are you doing? What are you, what is this oh guy gosh. doing? I love, yeah. I love Dennis Hopper's character so much in this. And I, he it took me a long time doing a lot <laughs> to realize that he was doing drugs because at first I was like, oh my God, is he sick and has to carry oxygen around with him? <laughs> Yeah, like it yeah, took that's me a really He's long time. Sick. I was like, oh, is he dying? It took me a long time to understand. <laughs> oh man. He gets so fucking like hyper and hyped every time he just 
whiffs that that fucking inhaler thing. <laughs> I'm gonna fuck everybody. Okay, so did you wait? Did you guys see um, in the the behind the scenes interviews, whatever, that like it was originally written that he was huffing helium and his voice was gonna change when he did it? What? <laughs> Yeah, I'm glad Dennis Hopper talked him out of that. Oh, my God. (laughs) And Dennis Hopper was like, actually, I've done a lot of drugs, and so I can tell you that's not. (laughs) No, no, that's not what you know. This is not a chipmunk situation. (laughs) I like how David Lynch wrote that, and then a bunch of people are like, yeah, but he's going to have a high-pitched voice after he he, he does it. And he's like, oh, that's true. That would be kind of funny. Maybe I shouldn't do that. (laughs) Well, but he was going to help do it because in that one scene, he has like the two personalities and he's baby and daddy. And so he would huff and then it'd be baby with the higher voice. And but yes, David Lynch was fucked out of it. Yeah. All right. I see where that that could have been like a thing that he was trying. It could have been interesting. Yeah. It been an interesting choice. But I think what they did is great. Yeah, no, that would have been hilarious. We've all been <laughs> laughing at that scene. <laughs> like, look at this comic. This is the first comical rape scene ever. Hey, yo, look at this. Oh, my God. I think it would still be very disturbing. Yeah, it's like yeah, like when she... When, another it, level. <laughs> yeah, when she comes home and she takes off her clothes and she's walking around naked with her high heels on, it's not sexy at all. You're just like, oh, no. Like, something is horribly wrong. Yep. Uh, yeah, that, man, that, that whole scene is... It, it's it's powerfully done, and again, we're talking about ambiguity. Um, it it took me a while to it took me a second view to realize that when he gets on top of her and actually starts doing that dry humping thing, I, I didn't think he was actually having sex with her. But the second time I watched the movie, when he goes to blow the candle out, he's zipping it. He, there's a sound effect. He zips his pants yeah. up. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I kind of liked it better with he, him just getting on top of her and just like dry, like just, you know, just doing the act, not actually having like penetration or anything like that. I, I don't know. Honestly, I think I would have been mo- more OK with that because I was sitting there like, what the fuck? Like he didn't he didn't get anything out. There's no there's no way that like he made this work. I was just like. From just a logistical standpoint, this is ridiculous. What the fuck is going on? He's supposed to be raping her right now. This is so stupid. The, the, I agree it, with all of that. It's the a second weird, time yeah. I watched it, <laughs> it I thought weird. it made a little bit more sense. But yeah, the first time I watched it, I was like, wait a minute. But it did definitely make sense that he would be like so into it that it was just over that fast. Like, yeah. This motherfucker does not last. Like he's it he's works. done in like eight seconds. Sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> it makes sense. Please call me baby. I'll call you mommy. <laughs> no, I'm daddy. What the fuck? This guy. Ugh. I'm daddy when I walk in and the lights are on and you don't have my bourbon. <laughs> when yeah. the lights go off, then I'm baby. And baby wants to fuck. Oh, that's such a creepy ass goddamn line. <laughs> yeah. That whole scene was so disturbing. I, I kind of, yeah, I can't believe, I can't believe Isabel Rossellini and Dennis Hopper and Laura Dern. Nobody, nobody was nominated for acting. Really? Yeah, the only nomination uh, for the Academy Award, anyway, this movie got was uh, David Lynch for best directing. Hmm. Wow. That was it. Dennis Hopper, also like for sure. Yeah, he was fucking great in this man. He was nominated the same year for Hoosiers, but I mean that is a totally really? different role. Yeah, yeah, no kidding. <laughs> I think this he goes up to accept the award for Hoosiers and then starts talking about this movie. Like, how amazing would that have been? 
<laughs> he just starts quoting lines from Blue Velvet. <laughs> I'll fuck anything that moves, Oscars. Whoa. <laughs> See this little gold man here? Woo-hoo. Oh, my gosh. That would have been amazing. Dennis Hopper's a badass. He just pulls out a fucking os- oxygen mask before he accepts the award for Hoosiers. <laughs> <laughs> like four people in the audience would have gotten and they'd have been like, what? Oh, uh, that is very true. Uh, this movie cost $6 million to make, which is kind of impressive, um, even for the time. But this movie only made $8.5 million. Mm. In the United States, it made 8.6 worldwide. Wow. Jeez, are you serious? Yeah. They made $100,000 worth of sales overseas? Yep. I don't know how much of a release it got. Three theaters? or Goodness. Well, yeah, it wasn't even One Russian dude bought it. He was like, I don't care. Well, they (laughs) couldn't get it released. And I think, like, what, an Italian company decided to distribute it? And, like, it wasn't even going to be shown in the States, except, like, it premiered at, like, a Montreal Film Festival and... to like great reviews and so that's when they were like okay maybe we'll show it (laughs) in a couple of places yeah it's widest theater release was 188 and that was like in it's like seventh or eighth weekend so that makes sense that they wouldn't make any money then yeah and the movie never hit the top 10 at the box office never once was always below i think at the highest ever got was like around 12th place so yeah not a big hit but i mean is that a surprise? Well, but it's become such <laughs> no. a cult classic at this point. Yeah, that's true. That I'm not, I, I, I'm not super surprised that it didn't do well. I mean, just based on everything that we've already talked about, it didn't have a, a really much reception when it came out. It makes sense that it wouldn't make any money. That is true. That is true. All right. So I saw multiple theories on what was going on with, um, Frank Dennis. Wow, I just went on his name. Thank you, Dennis Hopper's <laughs> character. <laughs> um, it's another Frank we got. The two back to back Franks in the movie being villains. They're both great villains, you know? <laughs> Maybe just this like was Frank a pretty is... great villain. I mean, you said earlier this is this is one of the beloved villains. He is a beloved. And well, no, beloved, well, beloved is, the right is a strong word, right? <laughs> well, well revered. Uh, yeah, no, he is. He's a pretty bad. Feared. Villain, he is a sure. feared yeah. villain, perhaps. Feared. Yeah. I don't know. You know, if you're going to villain school, you definitely want oh. to be like him. So I saw. Yeah, I saw. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Actually, I was really surprised at how like scary he was as a villain because normally when I see movies and they have villains in them, I'm just kind of like. Eh. You know, you could be scared. Right, right. But with we this dude, like the asshole. second cool. he walks on the this first scene, like the first three lines, you're like, oh, God. <laughs> yes. Yes. That is Dennis Hopper. He has that fucking ability, man. He is great. Oh, so I saw uh, one theory, which was that he had a, like an incestuous relationship with his mother and kept trying to recreate it, which I did not support. Oh God, um, I know, like it was super weird. I didn't even Just like reading the article. Like, bro, you need to go to some therapy and stuff. <laughs> I know, I know. I like cult classic movie yeah it was disturbing <laughs> just to even read this um, i don't know that would kind of kind of fits you know if you i think feel about like it. okay i feel like if you think about his like weird you know the whole incestuous rape play thing that he was doing like i feel like he's more acting out trauma than trying to fuck his mom you know 
Yeah. Well, maybe he was raped by his mom. That's his yeah, that's trauma. What I, yeah, to, yeah, that's, that's, that's what, what I'm saying. That's what yeah. I'm saying. But okay, but what the the theory that I did actually was kind of like, oh, maybe is that he has a lot of um, internalized homophobia, even though he is himself gay, and uh, they was there were evidence that by the the fact that he you know makes up puts on lipstick which is a different shade that isabella rossellini is wearing so yeah somebody else's lipstick um but he puts on lipstick he makes out with jeffrey um but as he once he makes out with him and and like delivers his like love letter hold up he didn't make that, out with he him. starts he kind of he kind of did though no um, he's like creepily kissing all over his fucking face it's scary as fuck it's not like a make out they're not like I mean, just because he it's missed the lips he didn't because make out. no but i think what makes it so uncomfortable is that you're like you're like what is he because this is not normal like what is he doing but he's because if this is a you know theory that holds water right because he hates himself for being gay he hates that he wants to make out with him and then he immediately starts punching him and beats him up he also talks to jeffrey the same way he talks to isabella rossellini yeah. and he also yeah. talks to the other gay guy i forget his name the same way that he talks to both of them oh you're so suave he, he also, says it like eight yeah, times yeah yeah he also yeah, yeah like he has and, and then like at the end when he's like in that drag character it's like a hyper masculine drag character with like the mustache yeah <laughs> the, the well-dressed man yeah yeah and so i thought that one was the more interesting theory out of all of the ones that i read on him also the drug that dennis hopper said that he is taking is what they was very common in gay bars at the time <sighs> i mean that could hold uh some some weight it could yeah could be what lynch I, I, wanted i thought it was the more interesting theory out of all the ones i read it's just boring i mean it's just that's so standard <laughs> that's you know it's it's standard typical like bullshit that like hollywood oh, does it's yes, like oh right. well it, this guy this guy's fucked up clearly he because sucks he's gay. Gay. Yeah. yeah that yeah. makes sense that makes sense <laughs> if a guy's sucking dick then he's yeah. got to be a weirdo like it was, he's got to be okay, a serial killer like, or something yeah. like that i don't know it was the 80s that actually would fit in with the time period though. I, I would but it's just it's not as interesting and it's boring. And then it's lame and then it's like, well, I don't All know. All right, well, then we can forget it. It's fine. I, I think as a as a theory <laughs> that's mind. trying to like explain his like whole it. character, <laughs> I, I'm inclined to agree with Brian. It is it is a boring like cliche to try and attribute all of his his issues to that thing but i also definitely got some homophobic like subtext and him trying to like work out some of those things and do you need to like put all these things onto that character just because he has a couple of those tendencies no absolutely not that's the point of subtlety that's the point of ambiguity like that's that's why you have these complex characters that are working through a lot of things on screen does it have to mean that it explains everything come on no, no of obviously not. it doesn't yeah yeah no that was the more interesting one uh, I, I don't necessarily buy that he is you know 100% gay and just hates himself uh, that would be super boring uh, and he's a person and there's more nuance than that anyway but I did think I mean, it was interesting people as a whole aren't 100% one thing or another that's kind of the point well okay so to change the subject a little bit in the scene where he does put on the lipstick and make out with Jeffrey okay I love that the woman got on top of the car and started dancing <laughs> she just sort of I was like what the fuck is she doing is she leaving no oh, oh no she's getting not. on the car and then she just I dances like, all awkward perfect. like this is what perfect. the fuck no she's either if she's not on drugs which she probably she is, is high as fuck high yeah. as fuck she's on drugs but she's hanging out with these dudes so like that's her job <laughs> is to like yep 
not yep. pay attention to what's going on and just, have fun and chill out until they want her to do something. Yeah. And I just yep. thought that was brilliant. How she like just climbs over Isabella Rossellini to get on top of the car. I just I love that that they introduce going to that house as like, we're going to pussy heaven. And then they're all like these women that are very not what you would think are the pussy heaven situation. And this is the one that comes with them. Okay, but the scene where the dude with the makeup that starts singing at the... Like, I really enjoyed that, actually. Oh, Dean Stockwell? Yes, thank you. I, mean, I was kind of impressed by his yeah. initial singing with the light. I was like, wow, this is, like, perfectly synced. <laughs> his eye blinks are fucking goddamn priceless. Holy <laughs> shit. <laughs> Oh my god, yeah. that, they were he so does good. A lot with a very short scene and a very minimal character. He like, steals the yes, entire scene. Absolutely. You're absolutely. like, I don't even know why we're here. I want to know more about you. Yeah. <laughs> like, like it's supposed to be a pivotal scene because she gets to visit her kid, but you still, you're like, wait you a spend minute. The entire time being like, who the fuck is this guy? <laughs> yeah, you're like, let's talk about this guy for a second. <laughs> Like, it's nice that she sees her kid. That's great. But wait a minute. Yeah, I thought that was great. And all of the other, like, little gangster people who are just, like, not, they're so not gangsters. And they just oh, sit there and they're just they like, yeah, but th- they're just, like, goofy idiots. I thought the whole thing they was felt great. like They felt like that world's equivalent to um, the Mike boyfriend guy, his, his like, dude bro friends yeah that it makes was like sense. the same thing and like here you have mike as like the 17 year old football player small town jock dude that's got like four dudes and here's those same people like 10 15 years from now and they're still doing the same fucking shit but they're a little bit more intense and one of them got a little bit more psycho same group it's yeah. all a time loop yeah, because somebody, I also saw a theory that said that Frank was working for one of the guys in the house. And I, like, when I went back and watched it, I was like, there's just no way. Like, I think Frank is, like, so completely off the rails. I don't think he really works for anybody. No, he's a drug dealer. I mean, I thought that place was, like, some kind of brothel. Yeah, you know, that definitely a brothel. And he's selling them drugs, and they're giving him the money from the sale. Yeah, they have... yeah but that's what I'm saying. He's not, like, working for somebody. Yeah. No, I didn't, I didn't think so either. I didn't think so. No. Like, even the, the police that he's collaborating with, he's like, yeah, you know, this guy, this police officer went and took the, what does he call the uh, the competition? Uh, so, ah, fuck. He starts calling him, like, a painted clown or some shit like that. Oh, that was the, the that's, song that's that the he song. wanted to sing. Yeah, but that's what they, he kept calling the, um, his... The painted Sandman? Yes, the, the painted the, Sandman, the, yes. Yeah. The, the police officer, the other competition. Competition for the drug sales. I don't. I don't even know what the fuck he was selling. We're, we I don't. They're like, no. Gordon's the man. He just walked right in there and took it. And like, we're <laughs> supposed to be impressed until we realize that he's the police. Yeah, I did. I I super loved his like yellow blazer. I thought that it's was true. such a it's good so standout. Good. Yeah, he just it, only wears that ever though, like because you see him like two days later and he's got the same fucking outfit. No, on. in the police office, no, the police precinct, he's wearing. Yeah, he's wearing something but different. He, Did it? It yeah. is like a. It is like in the same color palette. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. That that's that was enough for me to be like, did he change? Yeah, I thought he. The first time I saw it, I thought he was wearing the same thing in every single scene. Yeah. I I love it. Like when uh, Kyle McLaughlin comes back to the apartment at the very end, and he, the police officers that was the rat is just like standing there, and he's like fucking. I don't know. Piece of his brain is like hanging out, and he's still standing up. <laughs> 
Oh my god, yeah, that was that great. Yeah, that for a loop. I was like, what? Well, I loved when the way Kyle reacts to that when he first comes in and he like jumps and like walk, like runs back and then he's like, wait, I can go in. It's okay. <laughs> yeah. That was so great. That was so brilliant. And it's so twisted and deranged the way that that, that, that their deaths are like, the way they're like sitting up and propped up and like, because I, I think that Gordon's still alive, kind of, right? Cause Gordon yeah, the, the cop of- guy was definitely had some level of like reflexes still yeah, happening because yeah. he, he affects like a the lamp or some shit like that. Yeah. And, yeah. <laughs> Which is brilliant and creepy also. Yeah, it was all quite disturbing. <laughs> he was still partly alive until Dennis Hopper decided to shoot the TV and then him. Yeah. Dennis Hopper's like, bullet for the TV, bullet for you, bullet for you. Let me take your my blue velvet out of your mouth. Oh, I, I, I love Dennis Hopper's just going from room to room, just like shooting that silenced pistol into fucking everything. <laughs> and he's got to do the gas again before he goes in the room to, to kill him. He's like... <sighs> And he, he, he drapes the blue velvet cloth over top of the silencer. <laughs> it's so fucking ridiculous. Like the whole thing, it's just like and it just still it still works. Like you're not like it's so over the top, but you're never like no, I don't agree with. Like this is too much. Like you're like no, this is like it's so over the top and it is almost campy in some situations, but you're it works somehow. I love it. Well, yeah, Dennis Hopper sells all of his his craziness for sure. When he was draping the the blue velvet over his gun, I was like, "Wait, is he like silencing his silenced gun with the, <laughs> with the velvet?" I've seen this before. Usually, they use like a pillow or a blanket or something. This is interesting. Oh, oh no, he's just fucking crazy. Okay, that's cool. I just assumed he was going to take it off his silencer and shove it in like the, in, in the dude's dead body and just be like, "All right, okay, all right, all right, we're good." Cry through that, motherfucker. Oh, because I mean, like the, even the first time you you see Frank and he comes in there and he starts uh, raping Isabel uh, Rossellini's character before he like starts violently finger banging her. Um, he has scissors in his hand. And then, like, you never see him put the scissors down or go anywhere. So when he, he goes in there and he puts his hand under a dress and he just starts moving it real fast, he's like, oh, my God, is he fucking cutting her? Holy fucking shit. Is he, like, banging her with scissors? What the hell is happening right now? She should be in a lot of fucking pain. There should be blood everywhere. Yeah, then, that would require a hospital. <laughs> right? And then it's such a nice, like, reveal. It's like, oh, no, he was just using that to cut a little, little piece of that blue velvet. Oh, lucky, lucky everyone, I guess. Yeah, that's, yeah, cool. Okay, so. It is nice. Nice reveal. It is a nice reveal. (laughs) Okay. I thought uh, this was another thing that I kind of enjoyed that it was not on that level, though. But when she is, when Isabella Rossellini first discovers Kyle McLaughlin in the closet, and she has the knife up over her arm, like she's gonna just like start stabbing him. And then she, like, it turns kind of sexy. And she's like, okay, let's go to the couch. And for like half a second, you're like, wait, where did she put the knife? And then, like, you, when they get like readjusted on the couch, you see that she still has it like over him. Over I him, thought it yeah. was so funny. I mean, okay, while I was watching that scene, I, I had I knew enough to, to know that there was rape in this movie, and I was like, holy shit, I did not expect this version of rape, where she's holding a knife and forcing him to do stuff to her. I was like, oh, okay, all right, this is a way more mild version of rape than what I was expecting. Mild because it happened it to a worse. man? Yeah, the man, I mean, it's not usually they don't qualify obviously. that as rape when it happens in a movie, because it usually doesn't happen Oh, I was like, movie, wait a so minute. I was like, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, usually they're just like, no, we just call that sex. He should be grateful, okay. Yeah, right, right. 
she offered it to him. What what oh more can he ask for? Have you ever done it at knife point? Oh man, it's so fucking hot. Oh god. <laughs> oh no. Just adds a whole oh. new level to that, right? Oh my god. <laughs> Only if she sticks you in the face first. <laughs> Wait, if you don't have an orgasm, are you gonna kill me? <laughs> Fake it till you make it, bro. Woo! That's pressure. You put your disease in me. Oh god, that is oh, such a god. That line is That disgusting. is a fucked up line, dude. I really enjoyed that, I'm not going to lie. <laughs> it took me a while to get it. Cuz when she really? first says it, she's like, "Oh." She said it. I was like, "Did she just say?" I had to back it up and I was like, "I'm pretty sure she just said that." Yeah, she said that. Okay. And then she says it like four more times later. Oh, it's it's when it's when he's leaving the apartment. She's like, that, "That's okay." I ha- I have your disease in me now. It's yeah. inside of me. I was just like, <laughs> oh. the mom was like, I love what? how the mom what? was just like, I'm gonna go get a coat. Yeah, <laughs> like, you guys can BRB, deal with guys. this. <laughs> you have fun. Yeah, the mom doesn't even ask what's happened. She's just like, no, yeah, we're just we get a coat. Yeah. There's something terrible. Who knows? We'll figure it out later. Let, the let ambulance is coming. Coats. You know what? We don't need to I love that questions. she was wearing like a robe and she could have at any point in time like taken that off and given it to her. She was like, fuck that. I'm going to get a coat. I'll be back. <sighs> I don't want your bloody boobies to bleed on the inside of my robe. Yeah. No, this is my robe. This is my favorite comforting thing to wear around the house. Why would I give it to you? Okay. But can we right right before that scene where they're at the teenage party and they're just like it's the most innocent like little thing and they tell each other that they love each you know love each other. Oh my god! I love so that rough. it's like for oh. like a half a second they were like normal kids and I know he's supposed to be like twenty in this movie or twenty one or something, but like for half a second they were just like normal teenage ish kids having fun at like a house party. I just love the way that plays alongside what happens next, you know? Mm. I think it's, I think I just love I don't know. I was disturbed by their relationship for the entire fucking movie. Oh, like from the, from the second that he's like supposed to be a college student coming back into town and she's still in high school. And then they go to the, to the, the, wherever she's doing her singing, like whatever that bar situation is. And he's like, man, I love Heineken. Don't you love Heineken? She's like, I've never had beer before. Because like, she's in fucking high school, dude. No, she's, she, she drinks the beer her dad drinks. Because <laughs> that's just, all she's ever well, No, she uses that as the excuse. She doesn't say she drinks it. She's just like, my dad drinks Budweiser. And he's like, oh, yeah, the king of beers. And he's like trying to like puff himself. Up. Oh, yeah, no, I know Budweiser. It's great. Like, what are you talking about? they're supposed to be. They're not supposed to be some like idyllic teenage romance. I think they're just two kids. I mean, what's her opening? Up situation. Yeah, what is her opening line to him? Like, her, like her pickup line. <laughs> like he goes to see her dad, right? And then he leaves, and then she comes well, he out. He of- knows her because he was. He says he's like no, no, say no. hi to Sandy. Before for that, me. before that though, he leaves after talking to her dad because for some reason the police chief's office is at their house. And she comes out of the darkness, out of the bushes, and she's like, "Are you the are you the guy who found the ear?" Like, so right away, you know that this is not like a yeah. normal <laughs> relationship. I, I don't know that it's healthy, Mike. No one's. I don't think anyone's going to say that. Um, and he clearly has a lot of issues, as evidenced by the fact that he did everything that he did in the movie. But for half a second, they're a little, they're kind of normal, and it's kind of nice. I mean, I, I get their attraction to each other. You know, it's it's that violent, 
it's it's, it's what you what you don't know. That's it, also that that mis- you got that mystery element there. You, you're figuring out Curiosity. things together. I don't know. You know, like that's that's what a, a an early relationship is. Like you know, like especially before right. you you know like you had sex with somebody and all that stuff. There's all that interplay and I don't know it. It's it like works. flirting back and forth, and it's a little dark at times. But yeah. you know, he's like, "I'm gonna go on this like crazy thing," and she's like, "Well, I'll do like the normal part." You know, like it's just like this kind of like fun, playful kind of flirting, but it's very dark. I'm not saying again this is like a healthy thing, but it's like kind of a fun flirting thing. And I really love that David Lynch at no point had like a jaded character in this. Like even when mm. Sandy sits there or. Wait, is her name Sandy, right? Yeah, her name's Sandy. Okay, good. Um, I first have a second. I was like, no, she's in Greece. Okay. So even when Sandy sits there and is like, oh my God, I had, like, you just told me all this horrible stuff, but I just had a dream about Robins and they represent love and we oh, just need more yeah. love. And he did not have that reaction, Mike. He goes, wow, that's really neat. Like, there's You're nobody. A neat girl. Who's, yeah. <laughs> Oh there's my god, that was the moment I was just jaded. like, what fucking movie am I watching? There's Dear nobody god. who's jaded. He's not uh, sitting there and he's like, why did you just tell me that? That's stupid. He didn't say that. He didn't sit there and be like, man, I'm I'm sick of this boring town. Let's go find something interesting. Like it's nothing. Like they are so happy to be alive and yes they have dark shit that they're into and they're curious about things they maybe should not be curious about but they're just so excited to be alive i really liked that that i i find that so fascinating that that's what you got from that scene because i had like the exact opposite reaction to it i was like this is so fucking pretentious what is this goddamn bullshit of of this dream that she's trying to use and it's just so obviously like let me put this metaphor into this fucking like middle of this movie where we've had all this darkness and now i'm going to like tell you how the rest of the movie is going to go with this bullshit dream metaphor and it's going to be really great at the end, but until that point, like, it's going to suck. Like, cool, we get it. Like, no, it's a narrative because- device, and it's very obvious. And it just felt like, I don't, I don't okay, know. Okay, it was it- not like, first of all, this did not explain the rest of the movie. It's not like Sandy showed up and was like, hi, guys, I have lots of love to give you. And everyone was like, oh, my God, thanks. And like, No, that was the point of their fucking kiss at the end after she watches him blow the brains out of Dennis Hopper. And then they're like, oh, now we're going to kiss. And all right, here's all the, here's all the fucking birds at the end now we've gotten the love and now everything's okay and the birds are eating like cockroaches like come on like this is not yeah, like was... your stereotypical thing like you i feel like you're being a little harsh here. yeah I, I also think like some of that is like that's what the characters are saying but that's not really what we're shown like the whole movie we're, we've been shown the the surface level of perfection and underneath what people really are, what people really okay, so. feel. So when we get to that ending, it's not really happy. It's just like, like right after we get that huge Robin scene, the Robin's eating the insect, you know, that insect's right. going to become inside the Robin. It's going to be in, in, in that no. Robin. And then also like, that's mm, not the last, nope. the last shot of the movie. The last shot of the movie is with the, the kid It's finally coming to hug his mom. And you look at Isabel Rossellini's face in that performance. She's smiling, but the minute that kid, like, hits her fucking shoulder, his face is on the shoulder. He can't see his mom. She's just like, well, you know, I would really like Frank to come punch me in the face right now because I miss that abuse. Or I don't know what the fuck is on her face, but it is a graduate moment of, like, I got what I wanted, but is this who I really am? 
is the, yeah. I mean, and that I think that def totally plays into like well, Kyle McLaughlin's character. It's it's, and, it's, it's it's again just a moment in time where all of these people are happy, and you're right, it's not going to last. Yes, she's reunited with her kid, but she still has to deal with everything that she's been through, and right. she now has to raise her kid. Now and she has to raise a kid. There yeah, was yeah. also that conversation with her kid where she was like, "No, I love you. I'm sorry, I'm not there." Like he's mad at her too like there's so much right. going on right. there so when you see like the, the the 30 seconds ending of everyone has a happy ending it's not that they have a happy ending it's that they all get a chance to try something else now they get a chance to do something else they're not stuck in this loop that does that that doesn't mean that everything is sunshine and rainbows and flowers it means that they get a chance to move on yeah, okay, maybe some of that. But also, like, I'm sorry, Brian, I disagree with your reading of the Robins eating the fucking, like, bugs from the beginning of the movie. That is definitely, like, look, we started the movie with this very obvious metaphor of beneath the surface, there's shit happening. There's bugs that are trying to eat at everything. And now here at the end, we've already established what the Robins are. Robins are, are the love. Robins are the thing that the light that's coming to the world or whatever, and yeah. now they're eating yeah. the stuff that was beneath the surface. And the Robin and the love is is taking out the stuff that was beneath the surface, and now it's being eaten by the love. And now everything should be hunky dory. Okay, bullshit. I don't. I don't think you could read it that way. When like the rob the Robin's eating the insect, the insect's going to be a part of him. And then right after that, we're shown that that flashback with well not flashback but that we see the reconciliation of uh, Dorothy and her kid like no I mean like it, that is like a happy ending but there's still things here there's still like just because this story with Frank wrapped up doesn't mean that the darkness in this neighborhood still does not exist it's, it's just like the moms uh, like the old ladies are always watching those uh, violent fucking 40s noirs or something with guns like that's Mm -hmm. not going to stop that's still a piece of who they are I think I really loved how he represented the darkness as like the bugs underneath the surface because the bugs are always going to be there and honestly they're necessary to the whole ecosystem they're food the robins rooted out and and converted into something else but the bugs are always going to be there and there's always going to be more that doesn't mean that you give up and you succumb to it. It means that you have to be the Robin. You have to choose to root it out and eat it and kill it or whatever you're going to do. You know, like that's mm. that's the message there, I think. That's beautiful. It's I didn't get any of that bullshit circle. from this fucking movie, guys. I'm so sorry, but fuck. It's okay. That's why we're here. You have, you have found ways to make this movie like – somehow be like sensible and inspiring and interesting and i just did not get any of that shit from this fucking movie it's okay we're here we're here I for you mike that, i think we're there's a lot of a lot of interesting things like i even like uh like the my first view and i kept wondering like why why do they keep showing these uh, th- these two black guys that are working in the, in the hardware store. One of them, oh, Ed and Ed. Yeah, one of them's, bl- uh, where, one of them's where blind. Where he says, "How many fingers am I holding up?" And you you literally hear why he's tapping him on the fucking shoulder. I never know how you guys do that. Like, are you fucking serious right now? Come on. Well, I think he was like, you know, God, playing no, along with he was, him. No, he was not. He was definitely not. That was that was an, a genuine moment from him. And I was like, this is so fucking campy. Well, you know what? What the that shit? That just reads into like my, my interpretation of why they're there. You know, I think it's it's to show the audience that Laura Dern is the brains behind the operation. 
<laughs> and like, if you think about it, Kyle McLaughlin is the eyes. He's the one that sees the bad stuff. And like, you have these two black guys. Just one's blind. Understand what's controlling it behind? No, one can Kyle see. McLaughlin. Yeah, he. Oh, I agree with oh, this. oh, wow, wow. It, it, it's fucking there. pretentious bullshit. God damn it. No, because that's the other <laughs> thing too to play along with that. Yeah, Laura Dern is the brains of this. He always comes to her with updates, right? Yeah. But he's the one who goes in. He's the exterminator. He actually goes into her apartment to root out the bucks he's the one who goes through and like actually gets his hands dirty yeah i i like that i think that's that's a good assessment brian i don't know it, it i think it i think it has i think it has layers Griggs. i know i know you're not gonna there's a lot of layers <laughs> you can pick one if you don't like one you can pick a different one this is, all right this is fair this is fair Oh my goodness! I'm just now. Now I'm trying to process. Like you, you started this podcast by saying this is his most accessible movie, and I had to talk about this shit for an hour and a half to hear 15 layers deep to be like, oh. But it's okay because you got if there. If this is his accessible shit, then fuck all the rest of it. Sorry, it's we just should not for me. do a David Lynch month though. No, and no. Mike, we can see if we can bring you around. <laughs> Fucking hell! Do it in July when I have my kids, and I'll just be like, sorry guys, good luck. We'll start I'll with Eraserhead. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we'll, we'll end with uh, Mulholland Drive. Because I still, I still fucking, I don't really know thematically or plot-wise what the fuck that movie's really I'm trying to say. Because it didn't have but any intention Mike, we really it. need you here to ask these questions. Like, honestly, you have to be a part well, of this. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah. <laughs> I'm almost afraid to ask, but... Ratings. <laughs> Who's going first? All right. Before you guys just give this a fucking 10 just because <laughs> you thought it was like impressively ambiguous and vague and shit like that. Uh, I'm not going to be pressured into some bullshit. <laughs> Are you sure about that? Because I feel like. Yeah. 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 That's why I'm starting. I feel like with we've it. already bumped you up several. <laughs> I mean, you have. No, this is this is why I enjoy these conversations. Like. To to come with like like I want to start the conversation with to convince me why this movie is actually good because I fucking hated it. These are good conversations. Um, fuck man, I don't I don't know what I think about this movie. Do you want me I just to watched it first? for the first time this afternoon. No, I just need to talk through it for a second. Maybe if I had watched it like earlier this weekend and and had like had some time to think about it or had seen it a second time, maybe I would have. I, <laughs> My struggle is is very surface level. I'll start with that. This is not an enjoyable movie. But True. with that, it's not intended to be. And maybe that's part of my struggle is is we've watched a lot of movies recently that are like hard to get through, that are thematically difficult, that deal with with intense issues. And sometimes I'm just like, man, I just want to like watch an emotional journey and feel something and go on things. Like I just watched um the new Sam Mendes movie uh, that Roger Deakins shot, Empire of Light, and that had a lot of dynamic emotional range. And I, it was some of it was hard, but like at the end of the movie, I was really appreciative of the journey that I went on. This was not that movie. This was not an, an emotional journey that I appreciated going through, and that's why I struggle with with films like this. Is because I'm like I I understand you're trying to have nuance and you're trying to have complicated characters and you want to have layers of of um of ways to describe reality and society and the things that we deal with. I get it. I, it's just, it's just not my fucking bag. It's not the way I want to experience these kinds of things. 
we didn't really talk much about the cinematography. I I didn't love a lot of the shots in this. Some of the lighting I thought was really horrendously bad. Um, there were some shots like when we the first time we see Frank's um, building, there's just a fucking spotlight leako. Just like when you see the fucking round corners of this light just on the side of the building for no reason whatsoever. Some of those are decisions that I'm like, oh, cool. I can get away with fucking anything when I'm lighting films. Wait, you're, you're talking <laughs> about things. when Dennis Hopper like goes to his uh, like his little warehouse? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, that was supposed to be a, a fan. You see, like machines in the. No, you see, like you see, like two little tiny like pistons, shadows of stuff, yeah. and you see pistons. But there's no reason for a spotlight to be on the side of the building. I think it was like a fan hole, and the lights I, were on I, I inside. Saw, and I saw the attempt to motivate the light. It, it made no fucking sense. Ah, you know there are there are some times where there's like exterior lighting where I'm like oh you're implying a street light oh you're implying moonlight oh you're implying cars that are going by there was there was several shots of lights in this movie that I was just like no you threw up a light and you're like you're gonna fucking deal with it because this is what we're doing and I'm like okay that's a choice I get it like the first time you see Kyle McLaughlin walking down the stairs when he's gonna talk to his two lesbian moms he walks it like it's this really like dark like you're it's almost like you're in a um his lesbian mom base no, i'm sorry <laughs> his quote-unquote aunt those two were definitely like gay moms at his house oh, and right, just okay. never dealt with it <laughs> but you you have this like upshot of the stairs and it's like it's the classic you're in the basement and someone's gonna walk down the stairs with a fucking axe kind of shot but it's just him walking down the stairs like it's he's backlit and it's there's there's shots like that where I'm like you're trying to set mood and tone, but like there's not a whole lot of reason for it sometimes, and then other times you're justified and you're just kind of playing with things. I don't know. I we didn't talk about that much. I don't I don't need to get into it that much. I just felt like this movie was overblown. There was a lot of dialogue during like the normal scenes that I was just like, are you fucking kidding me right now? Like who talks like this? Some of the some of the character progressions between Laura Dern and Kyle McLaughlin, um, I felt like was just for the sake of we need them to do these things, so they're going to do these things. I did not see any amount of love building between them. I could have seen them like kissing and like, okay, I want to date you, but there this this like triple we're gonna say i love you and then shit happens and then i'm gonna say i love you again they're gonna shit happens and then they're gonna say they're gonna end the movie i love you that felt very like tacked on and forced in because they need to make some sort of i don't know it it felt hollow at the end of this movie Uh, we've talked about a lot of things that make me understand why people love this movie i don't actually agree with most of the reasons why maybe if i watch this in another year or two i'll see it from different eyes but uh i think this movie is overhyped overblown and kind of full of shit i'm gonna give it a 6.5 tell me why i'm wrong and i'm gonna stop talking still above mediocre though i do want to point that out <sighs> Kristen. i can tell you want to go next i can um no i actually do think that's really interesting what you said about how this was not an emotional journey that you wanted to go on i can see that i i can 100 percent see and understand that uh this isn't that kind of movie you're right you're 100 percent right and i'm so sorry perhaps i'm about i'm gonna venture into being pretentious here and i'm totally fine with that um this is not an emotional journey that anyone wants to go on i think that's the point (laughs) Um, and not only that, the the point is 
you know, to make you uncomfortable, to make you really like uncomfortable is like a nice word to make you like, like to where, to where like you can't look away, but it's so awful kind of thing. And, and beyond that, and, and I understand, you don't want to sit and watch that. I get that. I get that. But what makes me want to sit and watch that? What makes me call this movie like absolutely brilliant is that it is a work of art on so many levels and art is not necessarily pleasant. Um, it does mm. not give you, you know, the the feel good, wholesome kind of thing. Um, but this is a work of art on many levels, not just the script, not just the costumes and the makeup and the production design and the acting and the, you said you didn't like the cinematography, but I thought it worked really well for what they're doing with the lighting. Is it like great? Would I like point to someone, like point this movie out to someone and be like, I want my movie to look like this. No, probably not. But I'm also not going to make this kind of movie, you know, the for what this kind of movie is, I think it works really, really, really well. I think that adds to it. And you're right. They, I, I do think they just kind of threw it up and we're like, oh, this is what we have to work with. But they did and it worked. I mean, the it, like, I mean, even just in some of the apartment scenes, you know, where, where she when it's the Bella Rossellini's apartment where she is just having like an emotional breakdown and you can't even see her half the time. You don't need to like that's what makes it so incredible is you don't need to see what she's doing to feel the horror coming off of her on off out of her apartment and to be like you need to get out of there but also what she what is she doing you know and you're you're so curious and i really love how they david lynch turns this into like this voyeuristic movie but while while juxtaposing it with like you know the teeny boppy um Hmm. set in the 80s i think that's perfect because because who's watching this it is the teeny boppy people. It is the people who had like the nice suburban lifestyle. It is the people. That's who's going to go watch this. That's who's going to go watch this. And to That's sit true. here and have these two worlds intertwined is brilliant. There's so much brilliance here um, that I can appreciate it. I can appreciate it for so many reasons. Is this a movie that I want to sit down and watch all the time? Definitely not. But god it's so good they're so good on so many levels and and then when you start to look at all of the different layers and and this is you know we're getting into some of the acting here but also the writing and also the directing and and how no one quite knows what is meant by this but every theory you have that is presented is valid there's so like oh my god like even the theory that like this is like a a recreation of lincoln's assassination you're like this is really (laughs) stupid but some Somehow you have like a whole article with all of these like bullet points and you're correct. You like this. And if that's how you want to interpret this, let's go. And that's what art is. Art is a reflection of who is looking at it. And I think that so many people can look at this and see a different situation and interpret it in different ways speaks volumes about this. This is an incredible movie for a lot of reasons yeah you're right it is not a great emotional journey watch it when you're happy um i would give it a 10 all right 6.5 and a 10 obviously i'm gonna give this movie a 10 i mean yeah yeah i know (laughs) well look fuck off 
Shocking. <laughs> it's uh, it's it's so well done. I mean, uh, this, yeah, like maybe the lighting is not perfect, but I don't care because the shots are pretty fucking incredible. Like, there's a lot of a lot of things that I I just I really respond to. I think the opening montage is fucking brilliant. It's it's. I, you know, I was struggling after getting done watching. I was like, man, is that one of the top ten best, like, fucking movie openings of all time? I don't know. Maybe. Possibly. It's definitely up there. Fucking top 25 for goddamn sure. Just, it's... I'll give you that. It, yeah, okay. Top 25 for it's sure. It's so yeah. fucking good. It's It communicates everything very, very clearly to the audience. It's it's well done. I mean, yeah, maybe some of the lighting's not bad, uh, is bad, but I mean, just the, the shots, what is being conveyed on screen is so well done. I love the production design of uh, the Dorothy Isabel Rossellini's fucking apartment. It just, I love those purple walls, just the way all of her furniture is laid out, the fucking closet doors, and like, I, I, I know it's it's very film noir, and it's been done a million times, but I like the the fucking slats of light coming and hitting his face. I think that's good and, and really draws you into the – just from a shot, like seeing the lines of the closet and the light coming through, It's, it's you can feel the voyeuristic malice. Like, yeah, he's, he's like a kid, but like what he's doing is really fucked up and wrong, and I just think it, it – David Lynch does these – he, he bounces back and forth where, where he's going like, hey, look, this is kind of normal, right? You remember this moment in your life? Oh, but remember, this is really fucked up. This is not like your life. I love that. You know, it's just like he, he almost lulls you into a, a comfort zone and then smacks you in the face like fucking Frank or punches you in the face. And then you're just like, oh, damn. Yeah, that's right. I forgot. This, this is what this story is. Oh, fuck. It, it's so it's so well done. I'm not a, I'm not a huge David Lynch fan. But this movie, the reason that we talk about David Lynch in cinema, I think, is because of Blue Velvet. Like, you know, like, mm. even if you're a huge Twin Peaks fan, like, I I not, I not, haven't seen anything else. Uh, well, I, I've seen the first ep- first season of Twin Peaks, but I never saw the second season. I tried to watch Fire Walk With Me and couldn't get through it. It was just fucking terrible. Uh, the comedy just, it, it just doesn't work. It, it, it's, it's not the same as this movie. Like... It it falls short somehow, and I can't really put my finger on what it is. And maybe it's the juxtaposition elements are not there. Maybe it's just trying to be too kooky, like I guess like like a lot of David Lynch movies. But this this one feels right. This feels like a complete story. That if I don't want to accept layers and look into layers, and I want to take a movie at face value, I can. But it does have so many of the layers. I like this level of amb- ambiguity. It 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 does kind of remind me of like the last shot in the graduate. Like, but it's a whole movie like that, you know, where it's just like, oh, we got what we wanted. Oh yeah, where we? we oh, that's awesome. Oh well, fuck. What do we do now? I, that's what the in shot of the graduate is, and like that's what this whole movie is. Like, it what you get on the surface is not really what's underneath and I, that's that's a cool concept and that's a cool idea and to think that this came out in 86 man i really would have loved to have seen this and been like a teenager or like a, a young man in, in my early 20s and to experience this around like all of the fucking john hughes and like fucking teeny bopper fucking movies and have this thing come out can't imagine it must it must have been really shocking to see this thing in theaters at the time, uh, especially yeah. when you learn that like um, 
the, David Lynch really wanted um, Molly Ringwald as the, uh, the Laura Dern's character. And when you, when you think about that, you're like... That would have been fucking wild. Right? Yeah, like, you, you really can see the, the juxtaposition of ideas that he's he's wanting to work in. And, like, yeah, you, you think you're getting this, but see, look, hey, guys, this is what reality is. <laughs> or at least David Lynch's reality. Yeah. I, I don't know. There's just so much to love. The direction is so fucking strong. The acting is so fucking good. God damn, everybody is so fucking good. Even those little lines like... Hey, you're a neat girl. It's just delivered with such a fucking leave it to be there earnestness that just it almost kind of drives me crazy. Like, it, it, like that scene existed right after the oh, mommy, mommy, oof, I'm gonna fuck you, baby's gonna fuck, I wanna fuck, and it's just like, wait a minute, are these the same films? What is happening right now? But I don't know. That's kind of the beauty of the film, and. You just never know where this movie's gonna go. And it's this is kind of something special in filmmaking. I can totally see why Griggs, you think it's pretentious art. I, I like I I mean literally for those exact two scene juxtapositions, I was like, what the fuck is going on? That's brilliant. Fuck all of this. I love it. I understand <laughs> like I understand. I get it. I understand your loving of that juxtaposition. I watched those two scenes back to back and I was like, fuck this. This is so fucking stupid. Why the hell am I being forced to watch this? Because we love our listeners. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, so much love. (laughs) Feel the love, guys. Feel the love. So yeah, no, it's it's a ten. Solid, solid. Love, uh, love what Lynch did here. I wish almost all of his movies were were like this. It's kind of a shame that they're not. Does anybody have anything else? It's really great. Are we gonna do the ratings? Is, is has anyone thought about that? Oh, oh the... I heard it had ninety five percent on Rotten Tomatoes, but I did not double check. Uh, I haven't looked at the Rotten Tomatoes. That's you know, I know. Used I know. to Jared doing it. I know. That's. I was just curious because that's what comes next usually. Let's see here. Blue Velvet. Holy shit! You're one hundred percent right. A ninety five percent Rotten Tomatoes. What tomato millimeter? Uh, audience score is eighty eight percent, so not that far behind. God damn! Hold on, I'll re- wait. Eighty one critical on. reviews, fifty thousand. Says love it or hate it. Audience. See it, you must. Every hmm. viewing yields new insights. A berserko modern classic. Wait, what? When was that review written, though? I don't know. Is that new? That sounds like a new review. Uh, okay, so one's from 2020, one's from 2016. Let me see if I can go back further. I tried to oh, find... they're not uh, in order. They're not in order. Never mind. I tried <laughs> it's to, all fixed up. <laughs> I tried to find Pauline Kale's review from The New Yorker. I, w- I wanted to read that. Um, I, I couldn't find it online. Well, I could find like, little snippets, but not the whole thing. Um, I, I think that was the, the critical assessment that really turned people's opinion around on the film. Oh, really? Yeah. Or at least that's what Kyle McLaughlin. Pauline, who is it? Who did you say? Pauline Kale. So, okay, yeah, I found her. It's right here. It says the charged erotic atmosphere makes the film something of a hallucination, but Lynch's humor keeps breaking through, too. Or does that have the whole review? Yeah, well, it links to the whole review. That's the blurb. I, do you want me to send you the whole review? Yeah, would you? That would yeah. be great. Yeah, because every time I clicked on it, it was like, oh, here's a snippet out of the paper. <laughs> <laughs> or it was just like a piece of something, and it wasn't oh. the whole thing. I don't know. I'll send it to you. It looks like the whole thing, but I don't. I'm not oh. reading it because I'm on the podcast. Well, you know, 
Things to do in five minutes. <laughs> <laughs> what did you guys think of the um, the soundtrack, the score, the, all of that? Uh, I found it super heavy-handed. Oh, I actually. loved it. I, I, I wanted to talk did. about yeah, it earlier. I found it very heavy-handed um, to the point that, like, that one scene where they have the conversation in the car where they pull up to the fucking church. Oh, that's they, so fucking no funny. To the church. There's no, like, they're just, they're sitting in front of the church just purely for the sake of let's put a goddamn pipe organ as the underneath of this conversation. Like, really? Really? What the fuck? I think everyone needs to have a pipe organ in the background when they're talking, honestly. So do you also hate, like, Interstellar? Because they're going to space and they play organ music and you're like, oh, I get it. God's in space. Fucking Christopher Nolan, you dick. Hans Zimmer, yeah, you asshole. Yeah, that does sound like him. That does sound accurate. Right, okay. <laughs> we don't. We can skip that one. We just got it. <laughs> I don't know. I, th- I, th- I, thought, I th- actually thought that was pretty funny. That was one of those moments that cracked me up the entire time because it, it is noticeable and it calls attention to itself. But it, I don't know. Uh, yeah, I don't know. This whole movie, I just, I was just like... This is it's just weird and I, I think I was struggling with it like I have heard for so long about how weird David Lynch is and I've seen Dune. I saw it forever ago and then I saw it again like, you know, a couple months ago. And I'm like, I was prepared for a David Lynch level of Dune of, of weird <gasps> and, and We can get weirder. Wait. I uh, clearly <laughs> but that's the thing, I was like, I like weird. I'm, I'm so confused as to why this just doesn't work for me. Like, give me more Rick and Morty weird. Like, I want that kind of weird. This kind of weird is just not my jam. I'll be honest. I, I really don't care much for Dune, but I have a soft spot. I, I, I'm kind of, like, addicted to watching it just because it, it is so bizarre and so strange that I, I can't get over the visuals in that movie. They're just... Yeah, it didn't, didn't, didn't work for me. Oh, really? Yeah. See, that no. that's one I find very... That's a, that's a hypnotic film. It just... I get into a trance while, you know, just in, in it. And it's just, it's so bizarre. And I'm just like, what does that mean, man? Why is there a little cat with fucking things hooked up to its nipples? And he's, he's got to get an antidote from his poison from a, 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 this cat. What the hell is happening? Why are there pugs in the future on every planet? What's going on? I don't know. I mean, that just makes sense. Go on. I, I mean, they're cute. I, you know, I guess they look like aliens. I don't know. I don't know what his thinking is, but. They were also aliens, and um, the pugs were alien in uh, Men in Black. You know, yeah, but that was a way cooler version of an alien. I, 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 I have to wonder: is that where they got that idea from? They saw Dune, probably, and they were like, probably, yeah. They're like, clearly, Frank is an alien. He's a pug. They should have dropped a Dune reference in fucking Men in Black. Missed opportunity. I mean, they named the pug from Dune Frank. Oh, that's true. So I feel like if you can't get more of a David Lynchian reference, then what's the what point? What you're telling me is the pug should have been huffing some kind of nitrate. <laughs> <laughs> he was breathing heavily through his nose. <laughs> Just bringing it all full circle, guys. Short nose breed. <sighs> <laughs> Oh, so with that, you've been listening to the Movie Crew Podcast. If you want to get in touch with us, you can do so by sending us an email to moviecrewpod at gmail.com. You can also uh, follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram at Movie Crew Pod. Send us any of those uh, last-minute recommendations, requests. Always appreciate it. Still two more weeks in February. Come on. That's right. Not too late. Do it. Do it. Mike, where can the audience find you? I am on Instagram at Griggsy Media. That's G R I G G S Y Media. And Kristen, where can they find you? 
You can find me on Instagram at Kristen Magdalene. That's Kristen with a K and an I. You guys can find me on Twitter at Elkins Edits. And uh, give me one second because I need to fucking open up iTunes and see what the goddamn track number is. If you don't play the music from their conversation in front of the church. <laughs> and what was the point of any of that? I don't even know what that was called. <laughs> I think I have to find that. You know, I can't. I don't know if that's actually on the soundtrack. I don't know if they put that on the soundtrack. Mm, Griggs. It makes sense. That makes sense. Sorry, sorry, sorry. So I guess. What are we going to do? Uh, fucking. Uh, what are we going to do? Main titles? Or. I do have a recording of Isabel Rossellini singing Blue Velvet. Mm. We could do that. Well, on the nose, don't you Should think? you though? Uh, Should you're right. You're right. Okay. No, we're gonna close out with track number one, titled "Main Titles." We're gonna do it over the blue velvet curtains. I think that it's an it's a nice compromise. It's good. It's good. Yeah, because you're definitely gonna start the podcast with her singing "Blue Velvet" anyway. So obviously, you should. Yeah, if that makes sense. Uh, this is from composer uh, and. Angelo Balamente? Your Italian is like on point tonight, Brian. (laughs) All right, Balamente. Sorry. There we go. Thank you, Google. 